It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Election College, Episode 159, The 17th Amendment to the United States Constitution. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, do you remember when we talked a long time ago about that good old Connecticut compromise? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the Connecticut compromise was like, hey, everybody should have two senators, but figure out how you want to get them. Yeah. So this was a pretty big deal because, you know, the United States, they don't want to be like Great Britain. But there is that House of Lords concept where you have this elite group of people. I was going to say men. And at the time it was men. It was men. Yeah. And you had this issue of states versus a strong central government who is going to get more authority and the compromise was genius there was also the idea jason that you know i mean you know how the house of representatives it's the people's representatives like you know they're popularly elected and well if we don't have to do that things will maybe just move along a little more smoothly and also the populism that's coming out of the house we should avoid that. We just kind of want to be elite, right? So let's go ahead and just pick our senators. No big deal. Right. And why bother even having a state legislature, really? Because, sure. I mean, it's all about a strong government, <laughs> federal government. That right, is. right. Of course. So like Jason mentioned, whenever they initially came up with the idea of the Senate, the members of the Constitutional Convention were like, well, you know, we have the House of Lords and they are the better men of society after all. So maybe they'll just be a little more stable than this House of Representatives that switches out every couple minutes, it seems like sometimes. And things went along smoothly for a while. Smashingly. Smashingly. Sometimes actually. smashingly. Mostly smashingly. People got smashed. <laughs> so even at the time of the Connecticut Compromise, there was... A voice of dissent, and that was James Wilson. And he was all about saying, hey, the senators should be elected by popular vote. And the members of the Constitution Convention were like, no. And he, he was defeated 10 to 1. So, bad idea. Or at least 
widely thought as a bad idea. Is it a bad idea if everyone thinks it's a bad idea, or is it a possibly still a good idea, even if everyone thinks it's a bad idea? Way to wax philosophical, Ben. Thank you. I appreciate that. I just wanted to say wax. And philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the big issues you have with the original provisions is that there's a lot of corruption in the legislature because, of course, if people are just kind of selected and put in place, it becomes a little more difficult to make sure that they're not scoundrels, I guess you could say. And the other thing is deadlocks would sometimes occur because people were brought in one of each party or two of the same party, and it would create a lot of different issues. And so there's this idea that, you know, these elections or these these selections were kind of bought and sold or, you know, hey, I've got this much money. You should make me this particular office and then, you know, we'll be even. Yeah, you think of the level of oversight, government oversight, that wasn't present <laughs> 100 years ago. Right. And now if you do something that's considered shady you're going to have all kinds of people tweeting about it and uh, rallying in Washington, mm-hmm. doing all kinds of things to show that, hey, people are watching you, government. But 100 years ago, there were only a few people who had the resources to be able to even do this type of thing. And then multiply that by 48, because you had the 48 states at this time, and you've got all kinds of things happening in state legislatures where it'd be like, hey, we're in, let's pick on Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. We're in Pennsylvania and there's the whole steel business and, you know, people are getting very wealthy and they might be able to buy off the state legislature and thus influence the federal government. Right. And then I mentioned briefly the, the deadlocks being an issue. Sometimes you had an issue where nobody could agree on who was to be appointed, and so then there would not be any representation for that state in the Senate. So this happened a couple different times, and it started becoming an issue back in the 1850s, actually. And one time, Indiana couldn't decide. They couldn't agree on who should be in the Senate, and the whole seat sat vacant for a couple of years. So between 1891 and 1905, there were over 40 five elections that were deadlocked and this happened all across the country so you know sometimes people learn their lessons and said okay well, we can't go without representation we just have to give and take on this one other times it just there wasn't a compromise and they just went without representation yeah so as early as 1826 it was proposed that there should be an amendment to the constitution to have our senators be elected by popular vote And that, of course, didn't happen. (laughs) And more uh, proposed amendments were introduced in 1829 and 1855. And our buddy, Andrew Johnson, which we're going to talk a little bit about Andrew Johnson in the next episode, Uh about some crazy inauguration stories. So stick around because... Stick around for two days. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about what happened to Andrew Johnson when... He was inaugurated as vice president. (laughs) Anyway, he raises the issue in 1868 and says that, well, it only makes sense that senators should be elected by popular vote. What's the deal? Let's do this. And um, 
Congress is like, mm, no, let's just take our time. And <laughs> it, nothing happens, yeah. of course. So by the 1890s, there's a lot of support by the states, or at least some states, about the uh, the fact that, hey, senators should be elected by the people. So in 1908, Oregon actually passes a law that says U.S. senators from Oregon are going to be elected on a popular vote. And of course, that's their decision to do that because each state has the ability to say how they want to select their senators. And then Nebraska comes along and uh, there's about 10 other states that come along soon after saying, hey, uh, we think we're going to do this too. We, we think it's a good method. Let's try it. So a few outspoken critics of it come out, a few outspoken supporters of it come out, and then doesn't take long before a, a couple different state legislatures say, hey, Congress, we want to do this. Come on, let's get on the ball. It's kind of hard to vote for a I mean, I assume philosophically, it's hard to vote for something you know will directly affect you negatively, potentially. Right. That'd be hard. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens with the House, 1893. They're like, hey, this is great. Two thirds of the House says yes. Let's do it. And the Senate's like, um, we'll get to that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah. The bill just keeps dying over and over every few years. And then there's this surge of reformers who come forward to say, hey, uh, let's instead of just making this like a thing that we that we do, let's just make it a constitutional amendment. Um, let's go forward strong. But there was still a lot of support throughout the country. And by 1910, there were 31 different states that had passed resolutions in one way or another that said there should be a constitutional amendment that allows us to have a direct election because the idea of everybody being popularly selected is way more appealing than the idea of a couple people just saying, hey, you, my buddy who has a lot of money, you're the senator. Yeah. And of course, if you're a Republican and it's 1910, you're in trouble because the state legislatures kept on sending Republicans to the Senate. And what happened? Well, the state legislatures are like, actually, that is a good idea. <laughs> and this scares the Republicans out of their seats, actually. <laughs> Ten senators who are Republicans were forced out. And this wake-up call brought the attention really to the major forefront. It was already emerging, but whenever you have William Jennings Bryan speak up, there's going to be some changes. And that's exactly what happened. So... You know, we've talked about William Jennings Bryan before, and he's probably one of the most influential people who wasn't president during this era. And he brings his proposal out to the populace and really gets the country behind this. And he uses his eloquence to do that. And these new senators who come aboard in 1910, 14 of them had been elected by a popular vote. And half the states had some sort of primary, which was new for senators. And the Senate says, hey, that sounds like a great idea. So how many years was that? Almost oh, 100 years? Yeah, only 90. Yeah. 90-ish years. No big deal. The Senate joins the House. They submit the 17th Amendment to the states. And 
Well, of course, now everybody is behind it. So everything passes through, and it goes on to ratification from for the states. And May 22nd, 1912, Massachusetts is the first state to officially ratify the new amendment. And it takes until about a year later, April 8th of 1913, for Connecticut to step up and say, hey, we're the 36th state. That means officially we're good to go. We can make this thing push it through. And William Jennings Bryan, Secretary of State at the time, says, here you go, your 17th Amendment. And of course, there's a few other states to uh, hop on board, uh, one a year later, one 80 years later, and <laughs> one three years ago. So why the need to do that, you know, 100, 100 plus years after the fact, I don't know. But hey, good on you, Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll talk, talk about Utah here in just a few moments. But Really, the 17th Amendment had a huge impact on our national government because for the purist who says we are a Republican form of government, this changes things a little bit because the Senate is no longer a 100% Republican form of government. Yeah, it's representative, but it's not like a second degree election. Mm -hmm. It's only a first degree. Or maybe I should say it's a second degree election. Right. And it used to be a third degree. So this really affects how state legislatures relate to our federal government. Because it used to be that the states had a lot of influence in Washington. And now the people have both houses in effect. And I've seen that happen before, Ben, where somebody will run for house uh-huh. and they lose. Uh-huh. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to try again, but I'm going to go for Senate this time. Or oftentimes people will switch back and forth between, maybe not back and forth, but they'll go from one to the other. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder, is it just, well, I was at the right place at the right time. Right. <laughs> but you could say that about... Almost anything. Anything. Yeah, I'd say so. So, Ben, we haven't talked about this before, but there are different classes of senators. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything, except <laughs> this is when you will be running for re-election. There's a class one, class two, and class three. And this doesn't have any bearing on whether you're a junior or senior senator. It just means, well, if you're a class one senator, you're going to be up for election on these certain years and so on. So I, as I was researching that, it's kind of interesting because they actually cast lots. So because we have these different years that senators are elected, it wasn't fully implemented until 1918. That's when the Red Sox won the World World Series. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> they won it again like eight years they've later. Won, yeah, they've won it a couple times since then. The mystique is gone. So Jason mentioned Utah a couple minutes ago, and Utah on February 26th of 1913, so that's back, you know, right when it was first up for ratification, said, nope, we're not doing it. We don't like it. You're not going to make us. <laughs> now, there were other states who just, like, didn't take any action. Uh, they were Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Virginia. But they didn't outright come out and say, no, they just didn't do it. Which you can kind of interpret to mean we're not interested, but that doesn't mean that you said, 
forget about it. And Utah still to this day is like, no, we're uh, we're sticking to our guns. On March the second, two thousand sixteen, the Utah legislature passes a resolution that says, "Hey, federal government, this Seventeenth Amendment thing, this is not fair. This it's, is not right. It's dumb." <laughs> and the reason, and if you are a constitutional purist, you might agree with the Utah legislature because, well, the whole reason you have a Senate is to have equal representation of the state legislatures. And Utah's not feeling it. There are other reasons why people feel that the 17th Amendment shouldn't be around and shouldn't have come about. It One, it gives the governors a lot of power uh, in, in the, this situation. So let's say that someone bails from being a senator for one reason or another. Maybe it's they can help it. Maybe they can't. Well, the governor has the authority to put someone in place until a special election can be held. So that gives them a lot of power to be able to decide who exactly is going to make the rules. And by the way, when is a special, ele- special election held? Well, that varies state to state. And a lot of times, it's up to the governor. Yeah. So if they just want to put someone in place and give it a couple of years to see how things go, they can do that. Yeah. And you think about it, and a lot of us in recent days have been thinking about the presidential cabinet. Well, if there's a change in administration or if there's a new term that a president is beginning, who are you going to select for some of these cabinet positions? A lot of times you're going to choose a senator. So let's say you have a current Democratic senator from a state that has a Republican governor and you have a Republican president. President might shrewdly say, hey, Democrat, come be part of my cabinet. And then the Republican governor is like, ha ha ha, I can appoint a Republican to replace the Democrat. And you know, the president, the governor, they high-five each other and say, good job. <laughs> and the Republicans gain a seat. Now, that could happen on the Democrat side as well. Yeah, it could happen anywhere. And it has. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty controversial. It's essentially usurping democracy is how a lot of people would put it. But it's not usurping republicanism. Right, exactly. Because remember, folks, we're not a democracy. Sorry to burst your bubble. We say that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but America is, uh, is, is a, you know, it's not a democracy. Sorry. It's fascinating to hear in recent days so many people say democracy, democracy, democracy. And it does twist the conversation just a little bit. Yep. It's much easier to say we are a constitutional republic. We abide by laws. And the people do have a say in their government. But it's gotten skewed a little bit. I can see how somebody would oppose the 17th Amendment. I'm not saying that I do, but I can see how somebody would say, no, the 17th Amendment, that's not what the Founding Fathers wanted. You know, I just, not that we usually take political stands, and I'm not going to, but it just occurred to me that I've never, I mean, I've known about the 17th Amendment and and the issues with it. I've never actually formed an opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm I'm aware of the of the opinions, but... It just occurred to me that I'm like, I don't know what I actually think about this. Yeah. I mean, it's totally legit to say, well, in a Republican form of government, you need to have the state legislatures have direct representation into what happens in Washington, D.C. 
And is that happening now? Mm, not as strongly as it first was intended. Yeah. If you want to make sure, I mean, here's the beauty of things. You have direct representation to us, to Ben and Jason, to wow. Election College. See how I worked that <laughs> into the episode? Yes. You have direct representation to us. And if a whole bunch of you came out and said, we want this thing, guess what? We'd probably be forced to do that thing because, you know, yeah, mob rule or something like that. Anyway, if you want to let us know what you think about our show, and we would really appreciate it if you thought our show was good, head over to electioncollege.com slash iTunes and leave us a little review. It should only take you about 136 seconds. It gets longer every time. Yeah, It should take you just a little bit of time to leave us a good five-star review, or if you think we deserve a four, that's fine too, and a great review. We would really, really appreciate that. It does make us happy, and it helps other people know where uh, where we're at. Jason, I was looking, and not to compare ourselves, but I was looking at other podcasts that I know are our size and or much bigger, mm-hmm. and we actually have a decent amount of reviews in comparison, uh, which is awesome. It means our it means our listeners are fantastic listeners. However, yeah. there's some of you, and you know who you are, that haven't left a review yet, and you listen twice a week. So go do it. electioncollegecom slash iTunes. Yeah, and don't forget to engage with us over on social media with Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Really enjoying some of the interactions that we've had on Twitter lately. Love to hear what you think about the 17th Amendment. Uh, Like Ben said, I hadn't thought of it very much, but it does have a huge impact on our lives. And if you are bummed about what's happening in government, well, guess what? You have a say. And um, the 17th Amendment does give that power back to you quite a bit. Yeah. So thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.